Have you ever had a passage of scripture, a text, that you discovered and you remember exactly how and when and where you discovered it? Maybe it was a verse of scripture that was in a card that someone sent you in a time of illness. Or maybe you discovered it when you were doing devotions. Or maybe it's the kind of life verse that you have on a plaque on the wall in your home. Uh, whatever uh, the way, you, you have this text that you remember exactly when you discovered it. Well, our text this evening is Proverbs 18, verse 10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. I discovered that text 39 years ago, and I remember exactly how I discovered it. And the story of how I discovered that text still amazes me. Well, the story begins with the fact that in the first nine years of my ministry, I only had two funerals. I had one funeral in Northwest Iowa, and I had one funeral at Heritage in Byron Center. Just two funerals. The story also involves Reverend, Reverend Hubert DeWolf, who was the pastor of First Byron Center when I was uh, in Byron Center. This goes back a long time ago. Uh, from my perspective as a young man, I thought he was really old. He must have been about 60. And uh, anyway, he was a rather distinguished uh, man with white hair. <laughs> and um, uh, he was a, a good theologian and a good preacher, but he was rather famous for the fact that uh, he brought back into the Christian Reformed Church a group of churches and pastors uh, from the Protestant Reformed Church. And it was called the DeWolf Group. And so uh, that's the man. Some of you may also know that there was a Hubert DeWolf who sold furniture here in Granville. That was Reverend Hubert DeWolf's son who sold furniture. But Hubert DeWolf was pastor of First Byron Center. Good theologian, good preacher. So I attended one of his funerals one time for a young man who had died in what used to be called the Old Kent River Raft Race. And the young man's name was Tom Bonham. And his father was Ben. And uh, some of you are from Byron area. And Ben was the principal of Byron Center Christian School. And Ben Bonham ran like a, an office supply uh, business. And he supplied all the Christian schools in the area. And so uh, Ben Bonham was very, very well known. And I went to the funeral that Hubert DeWolf conducted for his son, young uh, son, Tom Bonham, who died in this uh, river raft race. And at the end, uh, when I went home, I thought, that was such a fantastic funeral. That was my ideal of what a Christian funeral uh, should be like. Well, I got along well with uh, Hubert DeWolf. I visited him several times when he was in the hospital. But the time came when I left Byron Center. I accepted a call to the First Christian Reformed Church of Sheboygan, Wisconsin, which was a, an older, a large, older, historic church. And I knew I was going to have a lot of funerals. And so I said to Hubert DeWolf that the scariest thing for me going to First Sheboygan was all those funerals I knew I would have to conduct because I, I only had conducted two funerals in my first nine years. I had little experience with, with funerals. And what he says still amazes me. He said, would you like to make copies of all my funeral messages? 
They were all handwritten in pencil. In fact, he was apologetic. He says, you know, these were all hastily written. Well, funerals are always hastily written. You don't have a lot of time to prepare for a funeral. But uh, I appreciated so much the text that he used and some of the insights that he had into uh, those texts. So off I went to Sheboygan, where I had 65 funerals in eight and a half years. Well, one of those funerals messages was on Proverbs 18, verse 10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. I had never noticed that verse. I had read Proverbs probably more than once, but I never noticed that verse. Well, apparently DeWolf liked it because he had two different messages, funeral messages on Proverbs 18, verse 10. Well, I thought I would never want to preach a funeral message on that text, but when I discovered that text in his funeral messages, I thought, uh, someday I ought to preach on that text, and I never did. I kind of put it on the back burner and uh, forgot about it. And then, lo and behold, I uh, retired and came to Ivanrest, and at Ivanrest, rather often, Uh, we sing a song, Blessed Be the Name of the Lord. And Proverbs 18, verse 10 is in that song. And we sing it probably every uh, several months or so. And every time we sing that song, I think to myself, someday I'm going to preach on that text. Today's the day. Well, we're living in very frightening times. The world changed on 9-11. It was maybe the most terrifying day of my life on September 11, 2001. Anybody over the age of 18 that lets out a few of the the young people who are here, but anybody over the age of about 15, 16, 18 uh, probably remembers exactly where they were and what they were doing on 9-11. I know exactly where I was. I was at Classes Kalamazoo in Goshen, Indiana. It was a beautiful morning, kind of a day like this, beautiful Blue sky, had a nice drive down, probably there were four of us, two pastors, two elders, drove down to Goshen on a beautiful, beautiful morning. And then the pastor announced that a plane had struck the World Trade Center. We know later it was the North Tower of the World Trade Center. And a little later it was announced that another plane had struck the South Tower of the World Trade Center. And then another plane struck the Pentagon. And it was very obvious that we were under attack. So I made a phone call back to Kalamazoo uh, from Goshen and said, let's have a prayer meeting tonight. One of the greatest prayer meetings uh, I think uh, I had ever been involved with. A lot of churches uh, gathered together to pray the evening of 9-11. People were afraid. People were afraid to go up into tall buildings like the Sears Tower in Chicago. They were afraid to flying planes. All the planes were grounded for a time. And now here we are about 13 and a half years later, and the world still is uh, seized with the fear of terrorism. Before 9-11, I had never even heard of Al-Qaeda or the Taliban. ISIS didn't even exist. And now there's hardly a day that goes by that we don't hear of these organizations in the news. They've struck many nations. They've killed thousands and thousands of people. And you wonder, where are they going to strike next? 
Are they going to strike the United States? What if they get a hold of weapons of mass destruction, like uh, chemical, biological, or nuclear? They could kill millions. The thought of it is just mind-boggling. So as Christians, what should we do? Living in this uh, uncertain time, the frightening uh, times. I thought of that text. Proverbs 18, verse 10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Well, Solomon, the wise author of Proverbs, actually describes a contrast between verse 10 and the verse that follows it, verse 11. In verse 11 it says, The wealth of the rich is the fortified city. They imagine it an unscalable wall. Eugene Peterson in the message puts it like this, verse 11. The rich think their wealth protects them. They imagine themselves safe behind it. You see the contrast between verse 10 and verse 11? You've got two kinds of people. And you've got two places of refuge. The spiritually poor put their trust in, the wealth, in their wealth and in the fortified city. When times get tough, they think that they can hide behind their money and the things that money will buy and it will keep them safe. Now, of course, there's nothing wrong with having money or having wealth. You know, 1 Timothy 6 says, it's the love of money that's the root of all evil, not money itself. Money is the source of all good, money of lots of good. Uh, money supports the church. Money supports kingdom causes. Money supports Christian education. Uh, it, money can be used for a lot of good things. The love of money, trusting in money, uh, that's the root of evil. So verse 11 describes people, not who have money, but who put their trust in money and in physical things. By contrast, the righteous trust in the name of the Lord, which is like a strong tower. So you got two kinds of people. You got two objects of trust. And Jesus said, no man can have two masters. He's either going to love the one and hate the other or vice versa. So I ask you on this beautiful Sunday evening, a week after Easter, where do you put your trust? Do you put your trust in money and all the physical things that uh, money can buy? Or do you put your trust in the name of the Lord? <clears throat> Psalm 146 verse 3 says, Do not put your trust in princes and mortal men who cannot save. Well, if we embellish that a little bit, it might mean don't put your trust in presidents or in political leaders, or in the military, or in a policeman. Don't put your trust in mortal men. Don't put your trust in uh, physical things like uh, science and technology, and maybe even medicine. Uh, don't put your trust in those things because they're all mortal. A mortal man makes mistakes. Mortal man commits sins. Mortal man doesn't keep his promises. Mortal man lies and cheats and steals. Um, we're constantly being warned to watch out for the scams and the schemes of mortal men. So the psalmist says, don't trust in mortal man because mortal men cannot save. They cannot save us from sin. They cannot save us from the torments of hell. They cannot really even save us from sickness and from injury. Even the best police force in the world can't 
save us from every uh, criminal activity. And the best homeland security cannot save us from every attack by uh, terrorists. Uh, Rather, what we need to do is to put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 124 verse 8 says, Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. In the Old Testament uh, books of Kings, there's a description of the gradual decline of the people of Israel. And they were afraid. They were afraid of their powerful enemies. They were afraid of the Assyrians and the Babylonians. And uh, what they did was they uh, put their trust in other kingdoms and they made alliances with other nations. But the other nations weren't able to save them from captivity. Well, it was uh, Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, who wrote the book of Proverbs. And even though Solomon wrote these beautiful words in Psalm in Proverbs 18, verse 10. He didn't follow them. Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines. A lot of those were to make political alliances, to make treaties with other nations. But those wives and concubines eventually turned his heart from trusting in God. Psalm 146, verse 5 says, to put our trust in God. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord, his God. <clears throat> well, let's come back to uh, Proverbs 18, verse 10. It says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. You know, the Bible has lots of names for God. And the names of God are different from our names. I mean, our names are kind of like labels. But the names of God reveal something about himself. They, they tell us what God is like. So I'd like to look at the first two verses of Psalm 91. It doesn't exactly use names, sort of like names, but they're, I'm going to call them expressions. There are four of them. And they reveal what God is like. And it ties in well with Proverbs 18, verse 10. The first one is Most High. It's like a name, isn't it? Most High. Psalm 91 verse 1 says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. God is the Most High in whose shelter we can dwell. You know, sometimes uh, people have a, um, uh, like a hideaway, you know, like a cabin up north or a condo down south. They have a, a place that they get away to and, you know, they have a, a, a retreat, a place that they go. Well, maybe you might let a friend uh, visit and stay for a while in your, your retreat, your shelter, your secret place. But you probably wouldn't let them live there. Well, God uh, lets us dwell in his secret place. He says, uh, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. You know, the United States tries to keep its secrets from the enemy nations and from all nations and from, especially from terrorists. We have uh, cybersecurity, which is very, very important. We try to keep our secret places secret. And, but God allows us to dwell. We find uh, a dwelling place in the presence of the Most High God. So even though God is Most High, He is uh, tr- the transcendent one. He is uh, infinite and incomprehensible. Yet God 
has chosen to have an intimate relationship with us. We can dwell in the presence of the Most High God. The second name or expression would be Almighty. Verse 1 goes on to add, will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. It's like the Hebrew name for Almighty is Adonai. He is the Almighty Ruler. As the Almighty Ruler, God creates the nations. He sets the boundaries. It says in Acts 17, verse 26, From one man he made every nation of men, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them, and the exact place where they should live. And in Psalm 16, verse 6, it says, The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. You know, I think of those verses. And... I look at uh, our country, and God has uh, set our boundary places in uh, wonderful places. We have beautiful mountains and uh, rivers and lakes and broad, fertile plains. You know, year after year after year, we have abundant harvest. Maybe we have a drought for a while, like the one that's going on down in Southern California, but, but year after year, we have this tremendous harvest. There's probably no country in the world that has consistent, bountiful harvest like the United States. Maybe one year, it's a dry year, and the rain kind of shifts to the east, but every year we have these bountiful harvests. There are many countries where it's not like that. And some countries, if they have a drought, it affects the whole country, and they suffer from uh, starvation, from famine and from starvation. So... But not only have we been blessed with this beautiful country, we've been blessed with freedom and with liberty. And there are people in this world who would like to destroy our way of life and like to uh, take away our freedom. And I might add, they would like to destroy the church. I was working on this sermon a couple weeks ago because we went away uh, last week. And um, a couple weeks ago, uh, 21 Coptic Christians from Egypt were beheaded by ISIS. And the Coptic Christians go back to the early centuries after the resurrection of Christ. And yet this, this church that goes back so far is now in danger of being wiped out. So what can we do? Where can we go? The psalmist in Psalm 91 finds rest in the shadow of the Almighty. <clears throat> The word shadow, the, the idea of shadow is an interesting one because according to uh, James 1 verse 17, God doesn't have a shadow. You know, it says God is light and in him is no shadow at all. But the idea of a shadow, it, it's a, a beautiful, there's beautiful expression, beautiful symbol. A, a shadow is a symbol of closeness. And so if you're walking in someone's shadow, you're walking right next to them. You know, our dog is like our shadow. If I sit at my desk, the dog is at, the feet, at my feet. If I go into another room, the dog follows me. If you've got a dog, uh, maybe the dog is like your shadow. It's always close. He's, he's always with you, always at your side. Well, not only is it a symbol of uh, closeness, it's a symbol of protection. And in Psalm uh, 91, verse 4, it says, He will cover you with his feathers under his wings, you will find refuge. And so in times of fear and in times of uncertainty, we can find refuge under his wings. We can find rest 
in the shadow of the Almighty. <clears throat> the third expression is refuge and fortress. Verse 2 of Psalm 91 says, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and fortress, my God in whom I trust. And so God possesses all power in heaven and on earth. He's the giver of every good gift. He's the God of all grace. In the first question and the answer of the Heidelberg Catechism, it says that God watches over us so that not a hair could fall from our head without his will. And all things must work together for our salvation. So in times of danger, we have a refuge. We have, everybody looks for refuge in times of danger. Animals look for refuge. They run to their dens and their holes and maybe they hide in the cracks of the rock. God is our refuge and our fortress and our protection in times of danger and attack. <clears throat> the fourth expression in Psalm 91 is uh, in verse 2, my God in whom I trust. All our money, the, the bills, the coins, they all say in God we trust. Well, I've been saying a few things about terrorism and the, the, the fear involved with uh, terrorism, but uh, it's not just terrorism. You know, we are affected by lots of uh, frightening things and uh, disasters. And I think of medical situations like heart attacks and strokes and uh, maybe uh, accidents and injuries and, and the like. Uh, things like that happen in our lives. Or maybe there's other catastrophes like financial uh, loss and uh, maybe a natural disaster. It was on the news about this is the 50th anniversary of the Palm Sunday uh, tornado that uh, killed a number of people in Comstock Park uh, on the north end of Grand Rapids. Things like that. Things like that happen. So where do you go in times of danger, in times of fear? What is it that uh, strikes fear in your heart? What do you worry about? When you need a strong tower, where do you go? Well, I read several care pages that are beautifully written. And one of them, of course, is the one uh, by Chris and Tanya Vanderslice, but, but others as well. Beautiful, beautiful care pages. And they're dealing with life and death uh, situations, uh, you know, life-threatening situations. And these, these care pages are carefully and beautifully written. And they have beautiful Christian songs in them. And sometimes uh, beautiful, comforting, encouraging verses of Scripture. I have not seen a care page quote Proverbs 18, verse 10 yet. <clears throat> but it's clear that the name of the Lord is their strong tower. Because they're not putting their trust in the chemotherapy and the treatments and all of that. They're using those, of course. They're putting their trust and their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So where do you think that tower is? The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Where do you think that tower is? When I first discovered that text in Hubert DeWolf's funeral messages, I envisioned the tower at the corner where the walls of the city meet. I've been to Heidelberg, Germany, and I've seen that castle uh, where Frederick III commissioned Olivianus and Ursinus to write the Heidelberg Catechism. Uh, I've been to that, that castle. It's a massive thing. 
And on the corner, there's this massive tower that was blown apart centuries ago. The walls are like, because I remember it, like six feet thick. But uh, on, the, on the corner of these walls, that's the way I first thought of the tower. But the tower can't be on the walls because verse 11 says, that's where the rich put their trust, in their, their money and in the unscalable walls. The tower must be somewhere else, not on the corner of the unscalable walls. The tower seems to be in a separate place. And I want to contend that the tower must be where our risen and ascended Lord and Savior dwells. And so as Christians, our comfort isn't found here. It isn't found in the material things. It's found there. It's found in spiritual things. Our comfort is to know that nothing can separate us from the everlasting love of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to whom we belong. So our text in uh, Proverbs 18, verse 10 says, the righteous run to it and are safe. Well, who are the righteous? There, there are no righteous in themselves or in ourselves. In fact, Romans 3, verse 23 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But this is the righteous. Verse 22, Romans 3, verse 22 says, this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. So the righteous are the people who put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. They run to the strong tower and are safe, whatever the situation, whatever the circumstance may be. Well, that doesn't mean righteous won't have problems. All the great heroes of faith were not spared tragedy, and neither are we. But our ultimate security in the midst of the tragedies of life comes from putting our trust in God. Romans 8, verse 28 says, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. The fact is that it's often in our times of weakness and trouble that we're most keenly aware that God is our refuge and strength. When everything is going well, we're tempted to trust in ourselves. But when life is uncertain, then we look to God for guidance. And when we're afflicted, we call on God in prayer. Psalm 146 begins and ends with the same three words. Praise the Lord. We shouldn't just praise the Lord when everything is going good. And when we get home safely from a big trip like uh, spring break, we should praise the Lord, whatever the circumstances may be. We live in troublesome times, as you know. You hear the news every day. And we live in troublesome times in so many different ways, in so many different levels. But whatever the storms of life may be, the name of the Lord is our strong tower. And those who are made righteous through faith in him will be kept safe for time and eternity. Let's call on God's name in prayer. Almighty God, we hear a lot these days about Boston Strong because of the terrorist activity at the Boston Marathon two years ago. But our strength is not found in Boston Strong. Our strength is found in you. Our strength is found in the Lord Jesus Christ Strong. And so we pray that you will always be our comfort and strength, whatever 
the circumstances of life may be that we have to deal with. So Lord, hear us as we lift our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. We are going to sing the name of the Lord. Let's stand to sing.